It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Impact of Influence The tragic story of a powerful South Carolina family and the mysterious deaths that they are linked to. Hi there, true crime pod friend. Matt Harris here with Seton Tucker. So glad you're joining us again. And this is going to be an epic episode because Eric Bland, the attorney for the Satterfield Heirs, joins us and we know he's fire every single time. So we are pumped that he's taking time to talk to us. Uh, We've got... Still, if it sounds a little bit different than normally, it's because I am still under COVID quarantine. As you may know, in the past, my 12-year-old came down with COVID, and my wife came down with COVID, and I thought I was going to miss COVID, <laughs> but then I ended up uh, getting it, and I am uh, have the COVID and am still in lockdown. So I am on Zoom, and... Uh, starting to come out of it a little bit. We hope you feel better. Yeah, yeah, I feel better. I still get a little tired, but I was supposed to go on vacation with my wife with no kids for the first time in probably three years. And I'm about two days short of my quarantine to be able to leave the uh, country. I know. I feel awful. That's the worst part about the whole thing. <laughs> well, I mean, sick. being sick is worse, but I, I feel for you. I know, but when you're, after all those years of being everybody locked up to finally be like, we can go, have a good time, and then wah, wah, wah. But could be worse things in life, so I'm certainly not super complaining about it. I was going to say, I will be thinking about you this weekend while you're stuck in the house with a whole family. Uh, we're actually headed to the South Carolina-Auburn game this weekend, and we had donated some tickets and a tailgate to uh, a charity auction for Stephen Smith. So we're going to be headed there to watch the Gamecocks maybe win. It's not likely. But well, by the time, by the time uh, you listen to this uh, podcast, you might uh, know that the Gamecocks got destroyed. <laughs> Do you have faith in them this weekend? Uh, I'm not. I, no, no. I, I mean, I hate to say it. I, I, I have hope, but not a whole lot of faith right now. Are you going with the kids or uh, just you uh, and Glenn? My son is going and bringing a friend with him. We also want to uh, thank some folks um, because we've been working with the Peacock Network, which is pretty exciting, for a documentary they got coming up in December. Troy Roberts, you may know from 48 Hours and others, will be uh, the host. And it's all because of you listening to this podcast and getting us those millions of listeners and giving us those five-star reviews and sharing. So. We are incredibly grateful about that. We also have seen another thing that we were working on. Yes. So we recorded with Oxygen and they are into this crime con, this true crime festival that they do every year. And it's a different location. But before that, they do this holiday escape, which is going to be the Friday after Thanksgiving, the 26th at 730. Uh, So you can listen because we will be on that. It is amazing. These two People that have never done a true crime podcast before are getting this love, and it's because of you listening. So we uh, thank you for that. And uh, Seton has already said 
she's not going to watch and listen to herself. Because yeah. that's, it's hard to watch yourself, isn't it? It is. It's hard to listen to yourself. I think it might be even harder to watch yourself. Okay. So let's, uh, we've got a, four new things that have happened since we last dropped an episode and they are pretty big things. We will start with the latest that happened on November 19th. Seton, talk about the charges. So just today, a grand jury has indicted Alec on 27 new counts of financial crimes. Those include four counts of breach of trust of fraudulent intent, seven counts of obtaining signature of property by false pretenses, seven counts of money laundering, eight counts of computer crimes, and one count of forgery. Wow. And altogether, it's almost $5 million. Dang. That's insane. And some of the people we are learning about now that have been uh, victims, that's starting to come out now. The Daily Beast had an article about it. And it gets crazy uh, when you start seeing some of the things that happened. There was uh, Thomas Moore, who was the patrolman. And Murdoch, back in January 2020, prosecutors alleged Murdoch relied on his reputation as a lawyer to convince this highway patrolman who was injured in the line of duty to sign over his insurance check to his former law firm. He told the patrolman, Thomas Moore, that the money would be dispersed until, could not be dispersed until his litigation was finished. Instead, he took a $125,000 check into his own personal bank account that has been named in several other lawsuits. So he didn't compensate patrolman Moore. That is, that is just absolutely insane. I can't wait to get Bland's take on that. There was also, in March, Murdoch convinced an attorney from another firm on another case to get a $192,000 check to write to him. And it just goes on and on and on. The Bamberg County indictment states that Murdoch allegedly told the attorney he was going to structure his fees because of the possible civil liability of the boat crash. Instead, he just took the money uh, in there. And that is just... Especially the patrolman one. I mean, that is the thing. I mean, it's all, they're all you know, horrible victims of this. But a guy who's in law and order uh, takes money from a patrol, patrolman who's injured on the job is insane. Um, the prosecutors allege defrauded and laundered 792,000 in Bamberg, 125,000 in Orangeburg, 70,000 in Colleton, 3.4 some million in Buford, uh, $380,000 in Allendale. Uh, it is absolutely insane. We'll be talking to Eric Bland more about that in a moment. I mean, that's mind-blowing, but we're just going to run down all the other things you missed, and then we'll get in details with Eric. So what else do we have? So we have Eddie Smith, Island Packet reports that he received checks from Alec totaling $155,970. He received 17 cashier's checks from October 2020 through May of 2021. And the last check that was written was for 22000 on May 28th, which is just like 10 days before Maggie and Paul were killed. Just to give you some of the numbers here. Cashier's check, four checks, October 2020 for over thirty-five grand. One check for nine grand in November, four checks for close to thirty grand in December, four checks thirty-nine plus in January of this year, three checks totaling twenty grand in February of this year. And then she told you about the one uh, that was in May of this year. And what is interesting, right, Seton, is the amount. Yeah, because his attorneys went on national TV and said that he had not received a significant amount of money 
from Alec, and now it looks like he possibly did. I also found it interesting that most of the checks were under $10,000, which that would avoid scrutinies from banks and also law enforcement. So they were smart about it, I guess, for the most part. I guess, right. Not that smart. Um, they were All but one were endorsed with the signature of Curtis E. Smith. And another interesting note, I think, is we go back to that Forge bank account that Alec set up. And if you remember right, he used the name Forge because it's very close to an actual true company that deals with uh, civil and personal injury. So people would say it's Forge and think it's the real Forge. So that goes back to that. And that account was set up in 2015. And so when we heard all of this stuff that happened with Gloria Satterfield after she passed away in 2018, we thought if he set up this account in 2015, it most likely wasn't the first time he did it. Right, right. And I do want to point out, because not everybody is listening to every podcast. So the name we're mentioning, Eddie Smith, there were these checks are written out to. He was arrested in September on charges of helping Alec Murdoch stage a suicide so Alex's son Buster could get $10 million in life insurance. That's the basic story. Eddie says he did not shoot Alec, and he was not in any scheme to help Alec get $10 million in life insurance. He said he never sold drugs to Alec. Uh, he's kind of a distant cousin or something to Alex. It's some handy work for him. Plus, uh, Alec represented Eddie in workers' comp lawsuit and a traffic violation. But now these checks come up, which show a financial tie between the two. Unless Alec is forging all of Eddie's signatures... Eddie's been lying, uh, allegedly. And, of course, Alec has been lying out his buttocks, uh, allegedly. But next we want to go into Alec's attorneys have filed a response to the Satterfield lawsuit, which says that he should not owe the heirs any money because they've already received more than the original $4.3 million settlement and that they've now received over $6 million. And in this response, they say South Carolina law prohibits plaintiffs from obtaining double recovery for the same injury. So it'd definitely be interesting to get Bland's take on this. And Seton, I I want to uh, do a couple of things here um, because it's, the optics are just terrible. You're saying, ah, they got their money. I don't have to give them my money, even though we allegedly took the 4.3. But uh, a recap on this too, because like I said, a lot of people are just catching up. Gloria Satterfield, nanny housekeeper to the Murdoch family for 20 plus years, Considered, she considered them family, vice versa. She fell down the steps of Alex's home in 2018, died a few days later. Alex's homeowner's insurance awarded them $4.3 million. Alex accused of embezzling that and never getting it to her two sons. He's awaiting trial on those charges. Five entities have paid more than $6 million to the heirs. That includes Corey Fleming, uh, who is uh, Alec Murdoch's good friend, was Paul's godfather. Alex's son, also Alex Murdoch's roommate in college, who he set up with the Satterfield and said, Corey's going to take care of you. But none of that many got there. Corey's former law firm has uh, put up money. Palmetto State Bank has put in money for their wrongdoings. The vice president of the bank, Chad Westendorf, has refunded money that he took. Alex's former law firm, PMPED, has uh, put in part of that $6 million. None of these people have claimed fault, but they have all... Uh, ponied up around $6 million. And now, as you just said, Alec Murdoch's attorneys are saying that he doesn't have to pay back the money, as she told the whole story there. So that is just insane to me. The optics are terrible. So I think we should also mention that Harpootley and Griffin, in their response, asked to dismiss their claims against 
Alec Murdoch's or suspend the lawsuit until the criminal case against Alec is finished. So I think that's definitely worth noting. And that we'll have that um, next week. This is November. Yeah, we need to talk to John. Yeah, as we're recording, this is November 19th. Yes, and we will get to John soon in an episode about that. But basically, what I gather from a little conversation I had with him is you, you want the, the criminal to go first. Because in the civil, you have to say a lot more than you have to say in criminal, and stuff could be used against him. So that's the basic, but we'll get John Snyder with more on that in a little bit. Do we have any other? Yes. So the other thing we know that has happened was Alec Murdoch's assets were frozen. So his attorneys have filed a response about these assets, and they have said in their response that the court went too far in appointing the receivers, that they have no means to access money for day-to-day expenses. So they're fighting the co-receivers and want some more access to their money. You know what I find weird about that, too, and a side note is, come on, man. You're going to tell me that John Marvin and Randy and all the other family members are not going to help out Buster. I don't think he's going to be living in destitute. Uh, I don't think they have to worry about that. But I, I just, that's just a little throw in there from Batman. Okay. Before we get to Eric Bland, which I, this guy's fire every time. And uh, I think you're going to dig this coming up in a second. Got to thank our sponsor, Founders Federal Credit Union. I uh, gave a shout out to Chris and Nikki last time, but I didn't mention Barra. So, Barra, you're there now. Here's the deal, man. Get a hold of Founders Federal Credit Union. If you'd love to lower your existing auto loan rate by 1%. Look no further than Founders Federal Credit Union. Refinance your current auto loan, and they will beat your existing rate by 1% plus make new payments for 90 days. Nice. Boats, motorcycles, recreational vehicles are included. Whether it's for the car you drive daily or the boat that's reserved for the weekends, an auto loan from Founders Federal Credit Union is a smart and affordable way to pay. Founders features flexible terms, low rates, fast, friendly service, and a 24-hour account access with Founders Online and the Founders app. Relax with Founders. Don't miss out. Apply today at foundersfcu.com slash auto or in an office near you. Terms and conditions apply. Membership qualification required. Founders Federal Credit Union is federally insured by NCUA. Current auto loan must be with another financial institution. That brings us to Eric Bland. He is the attorney for the Gloria Satterfield boys, the two men that have been swindled, allegedly, out of money by Alec Murdoch. Eric Bland, thank you for joining us. We're thrilled to have you. Seton, start us off with Eric Bland. So now we know that the grand jury has indicted Alec Murdoch on 27 new counts of financial crime. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. Well, you know, obviously, like we said in our public statement, that you know, when the dam of justice breaks, you know, it flows like a mighty stream. And, you know, this was not something that was surprising given the discovery that we have obtained through subpoenas and discovery responses in our litigation. There, you know, in addition to Gloria Satterfield, there are a number of victims out there. Um, I think would probably surprise the public this morning is that, you know, one of those victims was a uh, a police officer. I saw uh, that. Alex, Alex being a, a solicitor and his family coming from a long line of solicitors and law and order people. Um, he chose to not only be a thief, but to steal from a police officer. You know, people who put their lives on the line every day and, and don't earn a tremendous amount of money. Um, 
which makes you know the despicable even more despicable. Yeah, I was shocked I, to I see did, that. I just don't know. You know, some people have that gene, that immorality gene that just is so prevalent. I don't understand how he was able to operate with that that level of immorality his whole life and those around him not see it. It just would be impossible. Um, he's a, just a, you know, a despicable human being and he's, he's getting his just desserts um, and it's going to keep on coming. I spoke with the attorney general this morning on the case and you know the jury will be the grand jury will be bringing more charges um more white collar charges they haven't even gotten to the cousin eddie stuff they haven't even gotten to you know paul and maggie situation and then they haven't even um addressed well where did this money that was stolen where did it go you know, how did it, how was it washed? Who helped him wash it? Um, what was it used to purchase? Were there drug purchases? And it's just going to be like, you know, pardon the pun, it's venereal disease. It's the gift that keeps on giving to <laughs> those in the know here. You know, your podcast is going to go on forever. Do you think this is just the tip of the iceberg? Yeah, and I think what happens is the closer you get to the shore, the further you get away with uh, something like this. Because when you have these new crimes constantly being charged, it creates a whole new set of questions. Like, who could have helped him? You know, these banks are, you know, they have policy and procedures that they're supposed to be on the lookout for money laundering and, and, and account holders who are purchasing a large number of cashier's checks, you know. You got the, this call. You figured out what was happening with the Satterfield heirs and those first few conversations. Did you even have any inkling what you were about to blow up in South Carolina? No. Um, I, I did know that it was going to be believed at the epicenter of this because, you know, there was a lot of simmering going on with Alex but nothing major and that Harpootlian and Griffin could have somehow managed the Labor Day charges with Cousin Eddie and and things like that but I knew that the the money crime the follow the money was the real um, uh, epicenter of, of Alex Murdoch and everything was going to kind of be spokes coming out from this but I did not realize that there was going to be this level of theft with so many different victims um, and the assistance of so many different people. Uh, and he had so many different bank accounts. I mean, I said this the other day that since 2015, Alex was not practicing law. He was practicing stealing. And I call him a serial pen slinger, not a serial gunslinger, <laughs> but a serial pen slinger because he used his pen like uh, a swordsman uses a sword. Take a little break and uh, get you ready for some traveling you've got coming up, some international trip where you want to be able to at least get around, right? So you want to learn the language of the country that you're going to. You want to experience it with a little bit of knowledge going in. And you can get a lot of bit of knowledge when you use Rosetta Stone. It's the most trusted language learning program. It's available on desktop. It can also be used as an app on your phone or tablet. And Rosetta Stone teaches through immersion. 
It's instead of memorizing and drilling vocabulary words, you learn by matching audio from native speakers to visuals. You read stories, you participate in dialogues, so you are ready to go. It's the most trusted, time-tested app out there. They've been the expert in language learning for 30 years. Buy Rosetta Stone now, and you never have to pay a renewal fee. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Impact of Influence listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 40% off. That's 40% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 40% off at rosettastone.com backslash today. Well, I know you just mentioned Eddie Smith and... You know, this also came out this week that there were 17 cashier's checks written to him from October 2020, or allegedly written to him, uh, through May of 2021, totaling up $155,970 from this Forge account. I can personally tell you that, um, based on our discovery, that that just is a tip of the iceberg of the amount of cashier's checks and personal checks they were written to um, Cousin Eddie from Alex Murdoch over the last two years. Eric, I, I talked to a... You didn't, you, didn't hear, you didn't hear what I just said. What? It's a, it's a tip of the iceberg of the um, amount of checks that were oh. written by Alex Murdoch to Cousin Eddie over the last year and a half. $155,000. It's crazy. There's other, there's other bank accounts. Wow. That show other checks being written to Cousin Eddie, personal checks. And you can only paint so many houses, cut so much grass. And it it wouldn't surprise me that Cousin Eddie doesn't report this amount of money that he was getting from Alex Murdoch on his income taxes. Yeah, so there's a lot of questions because that's a lot of opioids. It seems like that is to go $10, $20 million in opioids seems like an awful lot of money. Uh, that is for sure. You're not from Charleston, of course, but you've worked there a long time. You know a lot of these attorneys, and I talked to a big-time Charleston attorney the other day, and he's like, I can sleep at night. I know I've done everything right, but I still don't want people getting up in my business. Have you found some attorneys saying to you, like, come on, man, back off, or anything like that? Are they are people worried in the law profession in the low country? Um, no, I actually haven't had anybody, um, I've had some attorneys tell me to maybe walk a little softer, you know, when I was getting, uh, close to judges and, you know, whether I was going to depose a certain judge, some lawyers issued some cautionary words, but by and large, most of the lawyers are telling me, great job, keep it up. We want this system to be clean. We feel like our profession has been stained by Alex Murdoch. He's done a tremendous amount of harm to us by the theft, and it fits into the age-old stereotypes of lawyers. So lawyers that traditionally do not like me because I sue lawyers and I'm <laughs> a plaintiff's lawyer, are the defense lawyers are actually uh, encouraging me and giving me a lot of um Congratulations. So, no, I haven't heard a lot of people. Now, I'm sure behind my back, people were saying <laughs> that, uh, you know, he's gone too far. He needs to step back. You know, he's recovered 
you know, so far in excess of, you know, six and a half million dollars for his uh, clients. So, you know, he's a civil lawyer. He's not a criminal lawyer. Why is he, you know, trying to take down Alex Murdoch? I'm trying to take down Alex Murdoch because he's a, a blight on our profession. I, I consider it an honor to be a lawyer. I'm not a, guy, a lawyer that likes to hear lawyer jokes. If somebody starts to tell joke about a lawyer, I stop them immediately uh, because I consider it to be an honorable profession. Would this have happened if it wasn't turned over to you, someone who's not from Charleston? Do you think the fact that you're not from there was a big help? Well, I'm, I'm from, I practice in Columbia and I'm from Philadelphia. Yeah, um, yeah. But I, I think that, you know, whether there was going to be another lawyer like my partner and me, Ronnie Richter and me, uh, to bring this, I'm not sure. You know, legal malpractice is not something that is uh, popular in our state. Not a lot of lawyers do it. Uh, we're well known for doing it. We've been doing it for 20 years. Um, I think if Alex Murdoch had just given $50,000 each to the kids from the initial settlement, this would have never happened, but um, wow. yeah. he's, in addition to a thief, he's quite greedy. Yeah, like, let's talk about the response that his attorneys filed this week that talks about him not owing anything because you've already settled for over $6 million, so he thinks he's off the hook. Well, fortunately, Alex Murdoch and his lawyers don't get to tell the Satterfields that they've been made whole. That's a job by a judge or a jury. Um, number one, number two, we have additional damages of interest that we have not received on the money that he stole, plus attorney's fees that my client incurred. Plus there's treble damages because there's an unfair trade practices, uh, element to this where you could treble the damages and the jury has the right to assess punitive damages. Um, it's a mathematical equation that's done at the end of the trial, meaning that the jury's not going to be told if we recover, let's say by the time we go try this case against Alex, where we recover $10 million, the jury's not going to be told that we just put mm. our normal damages on the board. And then if there's a $20 million verdict, the judge deducts $10 million from that verdict. If we only recovered 5 million, then we wouldn't get any money because we had previously received 10. So, you know, I had a law school professor that once said, you know, just because there's an argument doesn't mean you should make it. Just because mm. there's a motion doesn't mean you should file it. And that is what happened with Harpootlian and Griffin. Um, they forgot that ordinary people read a motion like that. And the byproduct of their motion is Alex Murdoch gets to keep the, the $3.5 million right. he stole because Bland Richter was so tenacious to collect six and a half or more million dollars more from other people. It, it just, it's nonsense. It's, uh, it's just white noise. You know, they don't have a plan. You know, Mike Tyson said that everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the face. Well, they've been punched <laughs> in the face a number of times over the past month. They, they're, they're just spitballing it right now. The, the fifth amendment. Absolutely. Alex has the absolute right to take the Fifth Amendment privilege in my, in the civil litigation that we're, you know, bringing against it. But there's repercussions for that. There's the adverse jury charge, which says that 
there's an adverse inference that if someone takes a Fifth Amendment in civil litigation, that there's a presumption that what he would testify would be damaging to him. Uh, and it doesn't. Okay. And it doesn't mean that the proceedings are stayed. I get to keep going forward. I'll just take depositions of other people and discovery of other people. Truth be told, I don't need anything from Alex uh, Murdoch to go get a jury verdict against him right now. I got the checks. I know he stole the checks. Show he stole the money. They show he forged those checks. They show he would deposit them into a dummy bank account, and that. The money never got to my clients. So he could argue all he wants that he's entitled to stay silent. Let him stay silent. What would really be interesting is if he, you know, finally developed some sense of honor and said to the citizens of South Carolina, you know, I'm not going to put you through this over the next five years of the cost and the time. I, it's obvious I have no defense to my theft. Being an opioid addict is not a defense to to being a thief. So that's not going to work. Um, and he just said, look, you know, I, I am going to admit to my crimes. And maybe in the process, he, you know, Dick Harputlian likes for him to be given the opportunity to go back and get drug treatment. Maybe he needs to go back and get morality treatment. <laughs> and that is part of his drug treatment where you own up to being a drug addict. Maybe you own up to being a thief. And then yes. he has some honor and say, you know, I wasn't the only one that did this, and I can clean up the system and be a benefit. And maybe you should do that. Um, yeah. I don't think you will, uh, but that's yet to be seen. The other thing that I saw was that his attorneys filed motions against the frozen assets that they think it's unfair uh, that they can't pay just regular living expenses and that sort of thing. So I just kind of wanted to get your take on that. Um, that that's something that can be easily worked out. I mean, you know, the when you do the financial machinations that he's done on giving favorable confessions of judgment to his brother and Johnny Parker, and here's the irony of the situation, just so you, you see how kind of idiotic this is getting. If he steals from you and takes your money, he won't admit it. He's going to force you to sue him and litigate with him over two years. But if you loan him money, like Johnny Parker did and his brother did, he'll give you a confession of judgment and letting you jump to the line. And, Jesus. and you won't have to sue him for two years. So if I steal from you, I'm going to take you all the way to the nines. But if you loan me money and I don't repay it, then I'll give you a confession of judgment and you jump to the front of the line. So what they're saying is um, we don't think that you know, it's fair that there's this receiver. He doesn't even have the money now to control, to pay for, you know, Buster or any kind of expenses on his house. All they have to do is cooperate with the receiver. The receiver will give them a budget. They'll sit, If they want to sit down, they'll go over a budget. He'll tell them what it's going to cost to have electric in his house or, you know, keep up uh, the grass so that, you know, an asset doesn't uh, get dissipated or decrease in value that's that all could be worked out but these arguments that they're making that there shouldn't be a receiver three hours after judge hall heard a motion to appoint the receiver jim griffin was in jail signing confessions of judgment as a witness to give these judgments in favor of his brother and 
Johnny Parker doing exactly what Mark Tinsley argued three hours before that he chooses his friends and rewards his friends and punishes his enemies. I loved your quote when you said, when you're sued, a picture is snapped. So I was just kind of hoping you would explain that to our listeners. Sure. When a lawsuit's filed against somebody, it's like a snapshot is taken in and time stops. And all of your assets are then almost written down so that the court and the, the party that's suing you can see. And you can't then go forward and transfer out those assets outside of the ordinary course of business. You can't go home and then, just because I'm sued, take a deed that was in joint tenancy with your wife and then deed it to your wife, the house. You can't take your car that was in your name and then go home and then transfer a title the next day to your son or change bank accounts. It's called a fraudulent conveyance. It started in, you know, the English Times under the statute of Elizabeth. And it said that somebody cannot fraudulently convey or or alienate away their assets in a way to diminish the ability of somebody who's suing you at that particular time from getting judgment against you. Makes sense. We only have two more questions, but one of mine is, are you shocked about their lack of understanding of the optics of some of the things they're doing? Like, for instance, you know, when his brother sues him to get the money, you know, you think, okay, dude, do you really want to jump to the front of the line? That's not a good look. Because you, you, you might have some involvement in this. We don't know to what degree, but it's just not a good look. Sometimes, Matt, lawyers live in a bubble. And like I said, they make these legal arguments or they do legal things because they do them every day. And they forget how they would appear to the ordinary okay. public to people who aren't lawyers and non-lawyers. And they forget that everybody's not a lawyer. And so by Johnny Parker doing this or, or Randolph Murdoch doing this, it's every day for them. This is just another legal maneuver that they do every single day. What they haven't realized, and a lot of time in this case, Harputlin and Griffin haven't realized, is that this isn't a case that's just sitting in some remote county and they can do things and then it's never discovered what's done or nobody will look at it and analyze it and comment on it every single thing is is so hyper viewed in this case there's so much sunlight on everything that's done that everything creates a new cycle every filing every statement every action and people have to play the long game when you're in litigation like this and realize that short-term gains can really be long-term detriments. So while on the short term, Johnny Parker and Randy Murdoch got pushed to the top of the list, long-term, they've just killed themselves and their credibility before other judges gone forward. And Alex Murdoch did real damage to himself in trying to argue that he's not a flight risk, that he's not a, yep. a pen slinger, mm -hmm. like I like to call him, or he's not going to do financial transactions in order to divest creditors. So sometimes the short-term gain isn't worth the long-term downside. You know, the juice isn't worth I, the squeeze. I kind of want to go back because I keep thinking about this because you kind of blew my mind when you said about Eddie Smith that the checks that were written, written to him were kind of like the tip of the iceberg. 
What do you think his attorneys are going to do with this information? Uh, C. Smith? What, cousin Eddie's? Yeah, Cousin Eddie's, yes. I think um, the guy's an idiot for going on TV and making a statement that Cousin Eddie never got any money mm -hmm. uh, from Alex Murdoch. That's one of the things that his lawyer said. Um, he should have investigated that first. Um, when you're representing a criminal, you should be very <laughs> careful in what you say and rely upon based on what a criminal tells you. Um, but he certainly got egg on his face because uh, what he said on national TV was false. So his credibility shot. You know, all you have is credibility. I used to tell my kids, you get one reputation, and it's a sacred trust. And when you lose it, it's really hard to get it back. Yeah, definitely. All right, so this is my crazy question, because this clearly is going to be made into a movie. I mean, it's it's has movie written all over it. And everyone talks about you wearing a cape. You know, you're kind of going to be a person in this movie. Who do you want to play you? I have no idea. I, I really don't. <laughs> you know, you don't want to say like Andy, George Clooney. No, no, no. A young Andy Garcia um, would be great. There you, go. there you go. I love it. I love it. Somebody, uh, somebody got a little Philly vibe to him too. You know, you got to get a yeah. somebody in there like that. And, Bradley Andy's, Cooper. Andy's got the spice and the chops. <laughs> You're the best, Eric. I so much appreciate it. Uh, Helpfully, anytime. Uh, your needle a heel and you can get back out there in their lake and start uh, saving more people. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. Oh, so I also wanted to give a few shout-outs before we end. Uh, I appeared on the Ivy League Murders podcast, and those girls are great. If you need a good recap, I, it's an interesting one to listen to. Also, the educated debutante. Uh, always enjoy being on her. And I also want to give thanks to White Rhino Creative. They've helped us out with some of our graphics on our website. And we should have some more interesting ones with some different, more in-depth timelines and that sort of thing. Yeah. Hit up that Facebook page. Send us some questions, comments. We are going to have a Q&A session coming up with Sarah, who does the genealogy of the Murdoch family. We're going to have John Snyder do a Q&A. So if you have questions... Fire Mattis and John Snyder with us soon to break down some of the legalese that's been going on over the last uh, week or so. Seton, enjoy your Gamecock game. And you don't have faith, but maybe you'll come home with a victory. Maybe. Yes. Get well, Matt. Hope your family recovers soon. Two more days of quarantine. Uh, we will talk soon. Thank you, everybody. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. On the morning of August 1st, 1966... Shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. 
You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweitz, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.